This is Practical Wisdom from ACP Financial Advisors, a monthly podcast about creating and operating a successful financial planning practice. I'm Ken Robinson. On our show today, from tax practice to financial planning. If you're a tax practitioner, you've probably heard about expanding your business to include financial planning. What's that like? And how do you do it? Our guest today is Bridget Sullivan Mermel, CFP, CPA, and she's been through exactly that change in her practice. Bridget is founder and owner of Sullivan Mermel Incorporated, fee-only financial advisors in Chicago. Bridget, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Ken. I'm really uh, honored to be here. So tell us what your practice was like before you began to introduce financial planning into it. Well, I had a tax practice and at first I just took all comers. Then I had corporations and individuals and I started in 1997 and I, I was pretty dissatisfied with it after about five years. And then starting in about 2005, I tried to change it so that I liked it better. The first thing I did was I sold my uh, corporate clients to another tax practitioner. And because I found that I didn't like the depth that I had to go into on the tax returns of corporate uh, returns, but I actually liked the clients. Uh, I liked the deep relationship with the clients, but I didn't like the actual work I had to do that much. And so it improved my situation, but not enough for me. And I was getting sick of the grind of the tax season. Mm -hmm. And so I was interested in um, doing some coaching, some financial coaching. And I started working with some clients just casually, and I found that I really liked it. And so at one point, I just set a deadline for myself. And I said, I've got to make a change. And if I don't make a change by a specific date, then I'm going to sell my practice and then figure it out. And so once I set the date, um, you know, things started to align. And I found out about ACP, uh, the Alliance of Comprehensive Planners. Before that, I had thought about adding becoming a registered investment advisor, but the process mystified me totally. And so I didn't know what was involved or how to approach it. I didn't know how to operate it all. And I was just kind of mystified. So anyway, when I found ACP, uh, the the, um, pieces started coming together. So you knew you wanted to do more than tax. You weren't sure what form that would take, it sounds like. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And what were, did you consider other models as you were uh, changing from a tax practice other than a financial planning model? I certainly did. So one of the big outfits that helps CPAs, I didn't like their business model that much. And then another uh, similar, but a little more upscale. And I talked to them quite a bit as well. And it was still somewhat intriguing me. It, it, it turned me off. I, I saw my clients being not served well from the in the investment arena. And I didn't want to be rip them off instead of somebody else ripping them off. I didn't want that to be my role. And I I really just didn't want to go in that direction. It was the sales aspect of those other models it that was, was- there were commission. I see. And they didn't have really financial planning. I mean, you could add that, but it wasn't like that was really part of it. It was more about talking clients into having you invest their assets 
and then getting a commission and maybe having um, managed accounts. But I didn't feel like that was really what my clients needed either. So very investment and commission focused. Right. So was it was it at this point when you decided that you wanted to follow a fiduciary standard? How did that decision come about? Well, CPAs are fiduciary standards. So I, and it is just something that I really liked about being a CPA. And I was troubled by, you know, that, that whole problem with commission that shows that I was troubled by the non-fiduciary aspect of investments. I often say that. I didn't know how else to do financial planning other than as a fiduciary because of my background in law. I was a natural way to think about it. It sounds like it was the same for you as a CPA. Right. And I I just, the problem was finding a model that worked, not knowing how I wanted to operate. Yeah. So the model that you found through talking with other uh, CPAs who've made the transition? No, actually, I found it kind of randomly. And I uh, was on a website that was focused on marketing because I figured out whatever I was going to, whatever form was going to take next, I needed marketing. And it turned out that one of the websites of this marketing guru was an ACP member. And so I, I thought, well, I don't really want this guy's services, but I want his business model. And so I called him up and that has really helped me. I see. Okay. And so, and that's where you found other practitioners who had made the transition. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't know anybody before that, that had, uh, that operated this way or that certainly that had made a transition. What do you think were the most important things you learned from other tax practitioners who'd already made the shift to financial planning? Well, for me, I had a one person operation. I had about 250 clients and I was sick of it, uh, and I uh, was specifically sick of the uh, hours with a uh, tax practice and the uh, rhythm of the year. I didn't like being super busy at one time and then um, not so busy at others. And so, when I talked to other advisors who had made the transition, they said to me, "You know, in your situation, you should just." let go of the business or sell the business to another CPA and start fresh with financial planning. I had a transition plan. uh, So working with another CPA, I transitioned to clients that wanted just tax services to that person. And then people who are interested in financial planning, I kept. So they said, you know, just figure out a deal where you can do that. And they really encouraged me that that was the way to go. And I would not have known that that was a way to go before talking to other advisors. So it sounds like that decision of should you keep the tax practice, you decided that keeping the tax practice meant keeping the problems that came with the tax practice that you were trying to get away from. Right. And I still do taxes for retainer clients. So I still do, you know, but now I have about 40 tax returns versus 250. So. Yeah. And with 250 returns, I can see why that would uh, be a grind during filing season. Right. I mean, I'm quoting the specific numbers because people in the situation, it helps them judge where they're at. Right. The number of clients you were serving decreased dramatically. What are you comfortable telling us about what happened with your revenue and your profit? I was in the black right away. So the first year I was in the black, about uh, six clients came over for full retainers right away. And another 40-ish came over with another package I put together with a little bit of financial planning 
and their tax return and audit assurance so that if they got audited, I would represent them. And I priced it at what I considered high, and this was in 2008. So the price was $2,500 uh, for that. And so I didn't, I wasn't trying to keep people who just wanted to get their taxes done and would pay a little bit more. I wanted it to be, uh, you want this. So putting all that together, uh, like I said, I was in the black right away. And then after the first year, I was making the same as before. And now I'm making, I don't know, three or four times as much as what I was making before. Three or four times. Been, yeah, it's been 11 years. I see. It took you about a year or so or into your second year, you were back up to your previous level of revenue? Right. That's outstanding. And of course, built into that, in your case, is another uh, important feature. You work four days a week. Right. Yeah. Actually, I didn't the first year. I, I think that took like two or three years to get in place. And I, I also, I have to admit, I take eight weeks a year off too. For me, that's part of, again, I, I couldn't see how I could do that. When I had my tax practice, during the tax season, I was working six days a week. And then the rest of the year, I was working five days a week. Uh, but this is what I wanted. So it's like I've had to develop myself to be able to uh, accomplish these things. But as part of the financial planning process, you know, as a financial planner, a lot of times what you're asking people is, what do you want your life to be like? And how do we get there? And so it's natural to ask yourself the same question when you're building a business. What do you want it to look like? How much do you want to work? How many clients do you want to have? What types of relationships do you want to have with your clients? And so when I asked myself that, you know, I thought I really wanted to have 25 clients. And so I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be making as much if I had that. But then once I got to that, I was like, I decided I wanted to bring people on to help me develop my practice more. So it's been a journey. So yes, I do make more and I work less, but I'm not the same person as I was before. So I've had to develop my skills to do it. It sounds like that was the hard work, was deciding what to change about your own skills, and that that was the hard work in the transition. That's a good point. You have to self-identify what's holding me back. What are the problems here? And I've had help. I use a lot of coaching now. And I've had, again, that's another thing in the financial planning industry that's really a lot more common than in the tax practice was, you know, coaching. And I've had coaches pretty much all the time at every step of the way. And they help me identify things. And then uh, other advisors, again, I, I see people with practices and I think, okay, does that look like something I want to do? And then I just figure out how to do it. So I feel like the change has really helped me feel empowered. And you bring up something that I think is so useful for people who are looking to make any kind of professional transition, and that's find someone who's doing what you want to do and model that. And the yeah. easiest way to find out what they're doing is usually to ask them because they're usually happy to tell you about their own business. Yeah, so. and I, I talk to people all the time about what I did and what I'm doing, and that's exactly what I did when I started. I talked to people so much to the extent that there's one person who had a list of all the different things that helped determine how much you made, and one of the things was uh, leave a clean desk at the end of the day. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, a lot of these other things, I have no idea what my close rate is going to be, but I can clean off my desk. So <laughs> I still have a clean desk at the end of the day, but I just put it all in my drawer. And so <laughs> just only in my desk drawer. <laughs> uh, yeah. It occurs to me that one thing that is a real challenge for a lot of people as they move into financial planning, but that might not have been that same way for you is you already knew how to run a business. Right. So I'm guessing that was that was not at all 
Yeah, it helps a lot. And just have client appointments. I know planners that are starting out just having appointments. They don't know like how to run a client appointment. That was all that's about uh, half of the skill you need. Just I already had that, you know, so that was super helpful. And for the clients who did transition from your tax practice, what were those conversations like? How did you broach the subject with them and explain what you were doing? Well, I worked with another advisor to help me. Well, first of all, I was learning how to do this uh, sales process with new clients. And so I was at uh, ACP and I was at the training. And so I worked with the person that was there to help me script the conversation with clients uh, and how to fit it into what we were learning in the training. And so I had a script and I uh, wrote it down and I mailed it to everybody. And then I called them on the phone and I used the script. I'd never used a script for anything except uh, acting in a play before. But Uh so that was one tool I never used when I had my tax practice. It's like, okay, I've got to write this out. And I those conversations were actually very difficult for me, even though a lot of people weren't surprised. The people on the other end were probably less attached to me than I thought they were. But those were hard conversations for me to tell people, this is what I'm doing. Take it or leave it. And in the end, it went fine. It went great. But having the script was great. You were concerned about what the reaction might be? Yeah. The uh, And the script, it just occurs to me, is it's just a way to make sure that you're covering the points that you want them to understand so they can make a decision about, is this appealing to them or not? Yeah. And people started saying yes right away. It was so weird. Like, yeah, let me, let's set up a meeting. That sounds like what I want. I'm like, I was, I was shocked. So they clearly saw the value. The they trusted me and they, they looked at the value of what I was offering and yeah. Could see that you were just as before still going to stay on the same side of the table with them, that you were not going to be across the table as a salesperson at arm's length from them, but that you were going to be serving them as a fiduciary the way you've always been. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, one of the people in that couple was uh, had worked for a large accounting firm. And so this person and was a pastor. So it was like somebody who was very attuned to fiduciary and uh, trust. I mean, that's one of the things I like about being a CPA, obviously, as I mentioned before, it's just the fiduciary and the trust and that coming at this from a different perspective. So, yeah, so the clients get that and that's what clients want. You mentioned earlier bringing on about 25 retainer clients uh, and then getting it to a transition point. Tell us about the retainer method that you use to charge your clients. Okay, so first of all, what I do now uh, is a standard retainer. And when I started, I had more meetings a year. I had six to eight meetings a year. Now uh, we've pared it down to about three meetings a year. And we just methodically go over every area of someone's finances. So we look at their investments and we have a custodial relationship with Schwab. And so uh, we help them move their investments to Schwab if that's what they want to do. And we can recommend investments for them and make the trades. We look at their taxes. We do a lot of tax strategy and we do their taxes. So I still do clients' taxes. We also look at their insurance and their estate. And again, I'm not selling insurance. I'm not doing wills, but I'm giving them my best advice on those areas. 
then a big part of it is actual what I consider like the heart of financial planning, which is retirement projections and how to meet your goals and like an education funding. So that, that's part of it, too. And then when uh, issues come up over the year, we do that. When I started, I had two packages. So now I just have the retainer. When I started, I had the retainer and I had a second package that included a one meeting a year there, which was an hour and a half. And we go over three issues of their choosing and their tax return. And that was 2,500 bucks. So as time went on, your practice evolved, your service offerings evolved so that they now just sound like they better fit what you want to do today. Yeah. And it's easier. When I started bringing in a team, I found that it was hard for the team to uh, get in the groove with the people where they were just seeing them once a year and doing their tax return. Uh, so they were struggling more with that group. By then I was making the, you know, not as much money with that group. So it was, and I think by that time, and this is a year or two ago, I had like five of those folks left. And so we just figured out how to handle that and uh, moved on. Lastly, has anything really changed about your relationships with your clients? Oh yeah, it's totally different. Well, you know, the thing that's the same is I think that clients trusted me and respected the straightforward approach before. And I think that's true to this day as well. But it's just the depth of the relationship is different. So you're really getting into what people really want and what's most important to them and trying to help them get there. And so that's to me, that's a really meaningful uh, kind of almost a sacred place to be in someone's life. Versus with a tax practice that was a lot more transactional. My goal was to make somebody happy with the service they sort of had to have and maybe even like me, but that's about as far as it went. I wasn't getting into deep conversations with most people. At this point, you're an important person in their lives and helping them achieve things that are really meaningful to them, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to a client last night and I happened to see your sister and her sister's like, oh, she's told me so much about you. That didn't happen when I was a uh, had my tax practice. Yeah. It's a far cry from telling someone how much they owe the IRS or how much they're going to get back. Yeah. Well, and you know what, if you don't mind me saying one other thing that I like uh, more about what I'm doing now than before, I actually like what I'm doing with taxes better because we do our tax meetings at the end of the year. So we do them in October, November, and December, and we do really, we do tax planning and then at the beginning of the year, we just get people's stuff and they've already know what they're supposed to do. And, and so we can advise them when they can still take action yeah. rather than just being reactive to whatever stuff they happen to send in. Yeah. So and we can, you know, bug them and try to get them to do the stuff. And sometimes we can even implement it ourselves. Most of the times, not so much, but still it's hopefully avoid some of those conversations of surprise it's april 15 or it's april 12th you owe forty thousand dollars which <laughs> that's a call nobody likes to make or nobody really likes to get and so uh usually people know ahead of time but not always I mean, sometimes the projections aren't perfect but yeah that so it's made things better in so many ways so even just the tax part of my practice is much better that's terrific great well thank you so much for being with us bridget thank you ken You've been listening to Bridget Sullivan Mermel, CFP, CPA, founder and owner of Sullivan Mermel Incorporated, fee-only financial advisors in Chicago. There are links to Bridget's website and contact information in our show notes. This is podcast number one of Practical Wisdom from ACP Financial Advisors. We're a presentation of the Alliance of Comprehensive Planners, the community of tax-focused financial planners 
operating under the retainer model. Our members are fiduciary planners who provide a distinct alternative in the financial planning marketplace. ACP offers a lower cost associate membership for planners who want to learn and apply ACP methodology prior to becoming certified members. For more information, call 910-769-1569 or visit acplanners.org.